I know, I know, it's a Greek fisherman's hat, but he still looks Irish. Um, anyway, um, I believe they kind of started the concept of where places they believe to be sort of sacred places, where you would go, and the idea was that the, the veil, the separation between heaven and earth was thin, and it was just an easy place to encounter God, just easy to be aware of him. A lot of times these were places in nature. And, and Jordan has really emphasized throughout this series that what we want is for our lives to become thin places, that wherever we go, in whatever way we live, um, that because we're there, the veil between heaven and earth, earth is thin. And that there's constantly a, a, a constant flow between the two. Um, I'm really excited to get to close this out because... Um, and actually, I didn't get as much time to to uh, prepare for tonight as I really wanted to because I seemed to get pretty sick the last few days here. But um, but that was okay because I, I really felt like that I just have had a message in, in, kind of in my heart for a couple weeks, so it was easy to put together. Um, so I want to sort of tie a bow on, on the series if I can and give you an idea of what do we do with these ideas moving forward? Because this whole idea of thin places, um, even because of its origination, it's sort of a mystical idea, right? It's this kind of very ethereal thing. And I, those of you who know me well, I kind of like mystical, ethereal things. Like, I kind of ended up like the prophetic stuff and, and hearing God and, and trying stuff and going for miracles. And I'm, I'm kind of into this out there stuff that's not as easy to explain. But then... Sometimes we can talk about all of it for a long time, and then we never like get a good grasp on it. We don't know what to do with it. And so um, I don't know that I'm going to be able to give you the perfect answer of what to do with it, but I'm at least going to help you think about that tonight. Um, so as I, was, as I was thinking about sharing, I started asking myself the question, okay, what does being a thin place look like? Um, because as we've talked about this, all of us would say, like, oh, who want, who, and actually, let's just try it. Who would like for their life to be a thin place? Raise your hand. Oh, that's amazing. You guys are such good Christians. Except a couple of you who didn't raise your hands, but that's fine. Um, <laughs> so, that phrase sounds really nice, but like, Okay, but what does that really mean? What, is that, what would our life look like if we became what we would call a thin place? Like, what, what would that really look like? What would you imagine if, if you said that... Um, throw something out to me. What would you imagine? Tell me, tell, me, uh, tell me what your life would look like if you were a thin place. Give me an example. Every time you pray, you see a miracle. Awesome. People encountering God through you. Okay, so I mean, I, I wrote down a list of things that I kind of thought of, and those are very much in line with what I wrote down. I wrote down living by the Spirit, hearing God's voice like regularly and clearly, um, like really spending time in prayer, really spending time and understanding the Scripture and letting it like seep into who I am being consistent with, in some way, like sharing the gospel with people, sharing God's love with people. Um, I wrote down that I would see healing and miracles on the regular. I wrote down that I, my life would display the fruits of the Spirit instead of whatever other stuff that my life sometimes displays that are not the fruits of the Spirit, right? Um, I wrote down that 
that I would be, my life would be characterized by holiness, by being set apart, by being righteous, um, that my life would be characterized by being generous and selfless. Okay, like these are, these are things that if I just take this really big ethereal concept and say, oh, we want to be thin places. We want the veil between heaven and earth to be thin because we're there. Then these are things that I see as being outcomes that a lot of us want. And maybe some of those you want more than others. That's fine. I think even God puts different desires and focuses in each of our hearts for good reason, right? But I start thinking of the idea of becoming a thin place, and I go, man, like, that's, that's a tough list to just, like, thin place is such a big idea, right? It's not like, it's not like we did this series on, um, on how to be a better parent, right? Where, like, maybe, okay, you can take home these three points, and, like, okay, I'm not going to yell at my kids this week, and I'm, um, and I'm, I don't know, whatever. <laughs> I'm not going to give them too much sugar, and um, I'm going to discipline them, but not harshly, right? Like, okay, whatever. If you did a parenting series, you might come out with some, some specific points. Um, but whenever there's this big idea, like, be a thin place, okay, cool, but what do I do with that, right? And I, I can say, this is what a thin place might look like and make a long list of things. But then I say, well, how do I get there? This, is, this seems difficult. Um, so I want to jump back to three points that really stuck out to me during this series. And I kind of want to piggyback on those as a way to, to wrap things up. Um, just as a check, Chris, since I know that you are on drugs. Um, <laughs> Chris has been feeling, Chris has a hurt shoulder and he's having to take medication. Are we recording? Cool, thanks. I walked up to Chris earlier. I was like, man, are you tired? Your eyes look really tired. He's like, no, I'm just on drugs. I was like, well, it's a big life change for you. But um, turned out he had a hurt shoulder. Um, so anyway, so back to this. How, how do we get to this idea of being thin places? So, so the, the three points that I would say like most hit home for me during this series, number one, Jordan talked about repentance. And, and Jordan kind of trying to redefine the word repentance for us a little bit, um, I thought that was really important for people, and it, it really hit home for me. He, ta- he talked about it being this daily thing where we're constantly refined to walk more in the Spirit. And one of the biggest points that, that he made that I think should really stick out to you is that repentance isn't the idea of, of having to go back and repent, hopefully, for the same things over and over. It's that you repent of this thing, and then like you repent of something a little smaller, and a little smaller, and a little smaller, and a little smaller, until you find yourself repenting for... He told a story of, of uh, feeling so bad because he didn't give proper attention to a woman who was checking him out at the grocery store, right? Who was scanning his groceries and, and, and also checking him out, I assume. He's a handsome man. Um, <laughs> Andrea is appreciative that she did not give her more time. Um, anyway, so, but the, the truth is that, like, if you're currently if you would currently be characterized as a murderer, 
you're probably not feeling real bad for not giving the lady attention who's scanning your groceries, right? Like, and, and then like, if you are currently a murderer, then please stop. But then let's say, let's say you are, and then you decide, you know what, I'm going to put away my gun, and like, and now you realize that you didn't feel bad that you stole everything every time you went to the store because you were too busy feeling bad about killing people. So now you repent for stealing everything from the store, right? And then, like, eventually you feel bad for lying, right? But you didn't feel bad for lying when you were in the middle of killing people, right? I know I'm taking this to an extreme, but this is literally how it plays out in our lives, is that God shows us, like, this big obvious thing that we're like, yeah, of course, God, I know, I need to get that in my life. And then when we do, eventually, God God is just bringing to our spirit, like, hey, Will you recognize that you have this, this little thing that you need to get out of your life, this little way of thinking, this little way of acting um, that, that you need a perspective shift on? And this is, this is in some way sin, right? This is something we need to repent of, but we didn't see it before because we had, we had bigger logs in our eye, if you will. Um, and so I thought that was a really important point in this sermon series, is just that we constantly repent of things that get smaller and smaller, and it's just a progression. I think that's a big key. Um, the second thing that really jumped out to me in this series is, um, and I, I think actually it may have been during the same week, um, but Jordan talked at one point about identifying spirits. Um, and, and I actually came up and talked about it in communion after because it really jumped out to me then. Um, but I think that a lot of times we're quick to write off our moods, our sins, our decisions as just stuff that's just us. Like, oh, I'm just in a bad mood, right? But sometimes there's something deeper to it. Sometimes you might just be in a bad mood, okay? I, I get it. But sometimes there's a spirit attached to it. Um, like you might say, oh, you know what? Well, I- I've just felt depressed for a long time. Okay, well, I'm not... I'm not writing off the idea that there are medical things, there are chemical imbalances in our body. I understand all that, and if that's it, then I believe God wants to heal it. But, but separately, I understand that there are medical issues, but also some people are just really depressed because they just live with a spirit of depression. And they have no idea that they are living with uh, an impure spirit that is just with them all the time, and they, you become so accustomed to, you can become so in, accustomed to what are literal, literally evil spirits that they just feel normal, and you just say, well, I'm just going through a time where, where I'm in a bad mood. No, you're not just in a bad mood. You've come into an agreement with an impure spirit, and you didn't recognize it as spiritual. You didn't recognize it as, I, I like to make this stuff really plain because like, it's a being, right? Like, I mean, if we really believe this stuff like we say we do, I know it starts sounding like Harry Potter or something, but, but we have to, like, we have to let our minds adjust, which is something I'm, I'm going to talk about tonight. We have to let our minds adjust to, like, okay, there's a spirit world, and this is, this is a being, you know? This is a being that's trying to, to mess with me, right? To, to fill my mind with impure thoughts, to, to give me depression, to give me hate, to give me anger, right? And so a lot of times we live with these things and we say, yeah, that's just something that I I have a problem with. But sometimes we need to break. Sometimes by saying that, you keep agreeing, right? Oh yeah, I just have a problem with being angry. Okay, well, 
maybe, but maybe by you just acknowledging every day, yeah, I have a problem with being angry, maybe you're just kind of like keep agreeing with the spirit who's keeping you angry, right? And so um, this was an, an, another really big thing that stuck out to me in this series, is just identifying things as spiritual and letting our minds shift. Um, if we want to live in thin places, if we want the veil between heaven and earth to be thin, then we need to start thinking more heavenly and less earthly. And to start thinking more heavenly, we need to start thinking more spiritually. Because the unseen realm is really very much where we live, whether we're aware of it or not. Um, so that's, that's the second thing that really stuck out to me in this series. And the third thing that really stuck out to me in this series um, was that what John talked about last week when he started talking about that if you want to be a thin place, then the key, <clears throat> the key is taking a long, slow walk. That's how he characterized it. And I think if you know John well, that you probably respect his opinion on saying that. As someone who, much longer than I have, has been just walking with the Lord, like, um, really just been honestly doing that, like, you know, walking in the supernatural, like, progressively... Um, progressively seeing more of God throughout his life. And, and um, he just characterized it as a long, slow walk. Um, and, and I would say that that reminded me really strongly of how my own walk with God has looked in different seasons and even things that God's been teaching me recently. Um, so a lot of times God talks to me through I guess, kind of whatever I'm doing at the time. I don't know. Is that everyone? Like, is it? Sometimes you're like, well, I don't want to talk about just what's going on in my life, but whatever you're doing a lot, God finds a way to somehow speak to you through it, even if you don't think it's spiritual in any way, you know? Um, so many of you know that I've been training for a really tri really long triathlon, um, and I've been spending a lot of my hours doing this, so it's kind of constantly on my mind. Um, it's, it's an Ironman, which takes, the, the race will end up taking me like 12 to 14 hours to complete um, on the day that I do it. So it's really long, and it's not something that you can just like, when you decide, I'm going to do an Ironman, you can't just like, I'm going to do an Ironman tomorrow. I mean, like, you just don't do that, okay? Because, I mean, I guess like you might could, but you'd probably be in horrible, terrible pain, and you might die. You might literally die. I don't know. Um, so, but in this process, I mean, it's, it's like constant training for me. I, I think this week my training is like 15 hours of cardio or something like that. And so it's just a long process. And God has, God's been really using this process to teach me about processes, I would say. He's been using it to teach me a lot about patience. Um, the idea when you start training for something like this, and it doesn't just apply to this, it could be, it could be any, um, especially any endurance activity that you want to do, but you start with a goal, right? Your goal is like, I want to complete that race, okay? And you know that you can't reasonably complete the race today. And so what I did is I just went and I found a professional plan from someone who's done this a bunch of times before, and I'm like, okay, Anything I do, I research, I research the heck out of it. Like, I'm like, I want to know all about how this works. And so I start digging into, like, okay, how do they make these plans? Like, what principles are necessary for me to understand to be able to complete what I want to complete? Um, 
And so I wanted to share a few of the things that have really stuck out to me that I've learned in this process and how God has made it relate over um, to my spiritual life and to kind of this concept of a long, slow walk that John was talking about. So the first thing that you may learn if you go start researching some sort of endurance training plan of whatever sort is you're going to find a lot of people talking about the 10% rule. Has anyone ever heard of the 10% rule? No, okay. I'm so educated. Um, <laughs> no, but this, there, there is, there's a lot of this if you go start looking at, like, how do I successfully train for any endurance sport? Okay, so the idea behind the 10% rule is to not overtrain. It's very simple. Like, you have to be aware of where you are right now. So let's say, like, okay, well, I'm going to have to be able to eventually run 26 miles after doing a bunch of other stuff, but like, I definitely can't do that, but can I right now run one mile, right? Like you have to become aware of where you are. Um, and then the idea is that you would only increase your training 10% every week. And this is like a, it's kind of a safety check. It's like, if I increase my training only 10% every week, then it drastically decreases my chances of getting injured in some way and not being able to do this. Because uh, I don't know if anyone's like me, but I'm someone who just jumps into things like super head on. Like I'll be sitting on the couch and then, and then tomorrow I'm going to be like, you know what, I'm going to get jacked. And so then I go like just spend three hours a day in the gym for a while until I'm completely miserable and have had some success. And I'm like, okay, that's good enough. I'm tired, you know. Like, I totally just overworked myself. And so this has been a big lesson for me is, like, you have to follow the 10% rule. So, like, if you can run one mile this week, okay, well, then you can run 1.1 miles next week. Okay? And you literally just keep, keep going and going and going. The interesting thing is, how many of you running a marathon seems ridiculous to you in your mind right now? Probably a lot of you. Okay. Yeah, so, so but if you thought to yourself, can I make myself jog one mile? A, a large percentage of you would be able to say yes. Okay, well, the interesting thing is that if you were to take that and you were to just increase it by 10% a week, then in eight months, you'd be able to run a marathon. If next week, week you ran 1.1 miles and the next week you did, right, I mean, I don't want to do all the math out, but it's, a bit, it's about eight months. Okay, and then there are actually other ways because you actually run more than once a week. So really, a lot of people can go from, say, running one mile to running a marathon in like four months. But it's only by increasing your volume by 10% every week and never going over that. And sometimes if you need it, stepping back, taking a little rest. Um, if this gives time for like your joints, your bones, your muscles, your organs, everything to make progress. Because sometimes one part of your body is more ready than other parts. So, like, maybe you, maybe you have the muscle to do something. Like, I've been in the weight room before, and I had the muscle to lift the weight, but I hadn't really, like, progressed slowly enough for my joints to catch up, and so I end up injuring a joint because my joints are not as strong as my muscles, right? And so there can be different things like that, and everything, everything has to make progress at once. Um, but the interesting thing about using the 10% rule, this is in my experience, and a lot of people that I've read or listen to. The interesting thing is that when you get to running, say, 10 miles, it doesn't feel any harder than it felt to run one mile. Literally no harder. Like, maybe easier in, in a lot of ways. It's longer. It takes more time. It, it takes more patience, which 
somehow seems to grow along the way. Your, your patience and your ability are just like, okay, this is going to take a while. But as far as difficulty level and how much stress you feel, 10 miles is no, is no harder than one mile was, right? And it, your body just keeps progressing evenly, and um, it's not really that much harder. Um, okay, so, so the 10% rule, keep that in mind. Um, the second thing that I've noticed throughout this process is a very obvious one. You lose some junk weight in the process, right? You drop some pounds that you didn't need to have. And, I mean, honestly, this, this kind of just happens as you follow the 10% rule and do all your training consistently. Then It happens pretty naturally. But one of the interesting things about this, our bodies, our bodies just fascinate me. So if you're like, hey, shut up and stop rambling because I don't care, sorry. I have the mic and... and Athletic science is interesting to me, okay? So the math is, I mean, this is general and not exact, but let's just estimate and say that if any of you lost, let's say, 20 pounds, something like that, then you would probably get about one minute per mile faster without getting in better shape, okay? So like if you just took your current conditioning right this second, and, and you were to just remove 20 pounds from your body, then you'd, and, and you could run a 10-minute mile right now, then, then all of a sudden you would now be able to probably run like a 9-minute mile. Okay? So it's just kind of interesting. Like, it's just interesting how our bodies progress. But all that happens is that we just get rid of some junk weight, and a lot of it happens on, on accident just because you were following the training plan. Um, And then the third thing that has stuck out to me, um, I'm going to give you a little story here. Austin has been, Austin, wave at the people. Austin has been, uh, Austin's been one of my, uh, I guess I'd say my main running buddy lately. My dad's jumped in uh, on running a couple times, and uh, Matt, who's not here tonight, has, has run with me a couple times. But, um, but Austin's been my running buddy for the last, I don't know, two months probably. Yeah, so um, we were running, we were running, when was it, Monday? We were running the bridge. We were running across the, the bridge a few times, the one that goes from Rockwall to Rowlett on 66. Some of you know that one. Um, so we, we were out there running, and he was asking me kind of like, hey, how's, how's all your other training going? And, and uh, you know, are you getting faster? Like, how are you feeling? And I was like, you know what? The, the most interesting thing to me isn't really, um, is not really anything except for my heart rate. Like my heart rate is getting slower at the same pace or I can run faster at the same heart rate. And I said, I was like, you know, I, I, think, I think the coolest thing about training is that you're just, um, it allows you to, to enlarge your heart's capacity. And then we were running and we both looked at each other mid-run and we both like threw our hands in the air. We were like, hallelujah! So we're like running, uh, <laughs> running across the bridge. We're like, thank you, Jesus! Enlarge our hearts! Anyway, it was quite ridiculous. But it was funny because Austin said, man, whoo, that's a sermon. I was like, yeah, I'm going to use it. So now it's actually a sermon, right? Um, but this really has been the most fascinating thing to me is being able to to increase your heart's capacity as you do exercise. Um, my workouts, the, the training plans that I follow, they're 100% based on 
time spent and your heart rate. Okay? Like, never does my workout plan say, uh, say run eight miles. It doesn't ever say that. I, 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 all I have to do is it might say run for an hour and 15 minutes in this heart rate zone. And so that's all I'll do. And like some days my body is stronger than others. So some days I run a little slower and some days I run a little faster. Meaning that the distance, if I run an hour and 15 minutes one day, might be longer than, than it was another day or might be shorter than it was another day. And that's not really the point. The point is just focusing on like my body's progress and my heart's ability to handle exercise. So the heart's really interesting because as it gets more efficient, then it pumps, it, it pumps all our nutrients, right? Like all the, all the liquid, all the nutrients that our body needs all throughout our body, right? We know this. But as it gets more efficient, then what, what happens is it pumps more blood every time it pumps, okay? So when you read about people having, uh, maybe you'll read about like Lance Armstrong has a, a resting, right? Remember he used to have a resting heart rate of like, I don't know, it was like 35 or something, something absurd, like almost dead. And, but the, the idea of this is that as your heart becomes more efficient, it pumps more blood every time it pumps, so it doesn't have to pump as often. Your body only needs a certain amount of blood, a certain amount of nutrients pumped, and so the more it pumps with every single, with every single heartbeat, if you will, then it starts to pump slower. And so, th therefore, the, your heart rate slows because your, your, your body only needs so much blood circulating. And so then what happens is you can run faster at the same heart rate. Does that make sense? Like, you're running, you're running faster, but your body's, your body's pumping more blood. So now your heart rate's slower as you run, which means you get to run faster until you get to this certain level again. And now you might be running 30 seconds a mile faster than you were before because your heart rate is pumping more blood with every pump. So I don't know. To me, this is all really interesting. And God's been really using it to talk to me about spiritual things, about patience. Um, so I promise I'm going somewhere with this. Um, I've just noticed that these same patterns that I just talked about, like the 10% the rule, and, um, and, you know, dropping the junk weight and, um, and, and increasing, increasing your heart's capacity. Like, I've noticed such intense parallels to my life and to my, to my spiritual walk and my life with God that it really is a, a long, slow walk. And so I'm going to give you a few parallels. And I'm sorry if you even feel like this is cheesy. I don't normally do like the three-point uh, the three-point cheesy sermon, but that's what God's been talking to me about, so you get it tonight. Um, my experience is that the 10% rule is pretty close to mirroring my walk with God over time. Um, if I just decide tomorrow that I'm going to study scripture for, for three hours a day, and I'm going to, like, witness to every person that I, that I see, then and trust me, I've made ridiculous challenges to myself like this before. To some of you, that might sound absurd, but to me, this is kind of what I do. I'm like, let me do this absurd thing, and then I go for it. And then eventually, but it doesn't take that long. Like, I might do it for a couple weeks. I might be super over the top for a couple weeks, and then at some point, I'm just totally just toast. I'm just burned out, and I can't keep going. Um, but 
I've noticed that if I just let it grow slowly and I'm just honest and I acknowledge where I'm at, that I can make really consistent progress and it goes a lot faster than I expect it to. Like a lot of you, like you, you raised your hand when I said, how many of you think a marathon, running a marathon sounds ridiculous? But you could very realistically run a marathon. Probably, probably most all of you could very, very realistically run a marathon in less than six months. And that's not very long. Like, you're gonna, you can snap your fingers and it's going to have been six months, you know? And so I've noticed that in my walk with God that, like, if I'm just consistent and I'm just, like, acknowledge where I'm at and start there, then I'm always floored with how quickly God takes me somewhere new and that I get into depths that are beyond where I've been before. Um, so, so maybe instead, I'm just giving you, I'm starting to give you some ideas here for just what to do with this series, okay? I just want you to acknowledge that it is this long, slow walk, okay? Um, so maybe you would say like, okay, well, I can realistically, I can realistically pray 10 minutes a day. I don't pray 10 minutes a day right now. If that's you, then say, okay, well, I can realistically commit to praying 10 minutes a day, Okay? No big deal. And I can realistically commit, um, maybe you feel like you really want to be able to share the gospel. So say like, okay, well, I could realistically commit to share the gospel with one person this month. But I will share the gospel with one person this month. Okay, cool. Well, maybe next month, then once you've done that for a month, it's going to seem really realistic for you to spend 15 minutes a day with God. And it's going to seem really realistic for you to share the gospel with two people. Right? But a lot of times we feel the weight of like, well, what I need to do is I need to become a thin place. And then all of heaven will flow through me. And I will heal everyone with my shadow. And like, these are really cool messages and I like them and I want to heal people with my shadow, but I haven't done it yet. Okay? I'm just, I'm just being realistic because like apparently I haven't been there yet. You know? I haven't been to that place yet. And I'm not saying, please... Please don't take it this way. I'm not saying that God can't do miracles. I'm not saying that you, that you can't start healing people by your shadow tomorrow. I hope you do. But I think that we need to be also just like acknowledge where we are and just say, okay, God, my, my goal is not going to be shadow healing. It's going to be spending 10 minutes with you tomorrow. You know? Like it's just this long, slow walk. It's, it's the 10% rule. Okay? Because... Because whenever, whenever you spend an hour with God every single day, then deciding, you know what, I think I want to start spending an hour and five minutes with God. That's not very hard. Seems pretty simple. But if you, if you have no regular prayer and you say, I'm going to spend an hour and five minutes with God every day for the next month, like, you probably aren't. Just, just the truth, right? Um, so, my encouragement to you is that if you can just ask God where he's taking you, then you can, like, you kind of get this end goal in mind, right? Like, I know what I'm doing. I know I'm going to run that race on that date, right? I signed up. I paid my money. And so I got a plan that fits that. If you can ask God where he's taking you personally, as a, as a human who has a relationship with him, ask him, God, where am I going? And then make, just make a couple practical steps that allow you to like slowly but consistently follow through on that without quitting. This is my encouragement to you. And to me, this fits perfectly 
uh, with, with one of my favorite scriptures, 2 Corinthians 3.18. And we all who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory are being transformed into his image with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. Okay, so like all of this is in the Spirit. Like we're putting practical things to it, but all of this is, all of this is in the Spirit, right? But it's, it's just God taking us from glory to glory, from, to ever-increasing glory. Ever-increasing glory. That means it gets bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger and it never stops getting bigger. But whenever you just say, like, tomorrow I'm going to have all the glory, well, good luck. I mean, like, God wants to take you there. God desires for you to go there. He has, he has these big picture things in mind for you. But we get really, really focused on, like, this huge, ridiculous idea that we're going to become... The, uh, not ridiculous. That's probably not the right word. But I'm just saying, like, we just... We get on these things where like, well, what I need to do is become a monk who, who heals every person I see and only speaks in tongues unless I'm with a group larger than five. Like, it's, it's not reality in most of our lives, okay? So let's go for the ever-increasing glory. That's my, that's my encouragement to you. Um, I talked to, uh, about how like along the way, as you follow this plan, you just end up losing some junk weight, right? And so, like, to me, th- this applies to many things in my life. It has applied to many things in my life. My, my experience is that as I follow a plan and I just try to get a little bit closer to God, a little bit closer to God, and a little more submitted to Him, and a little more open to hearing His voice, then losing some junk weight, if you will, happens really automatically. Um, this comes in the forms of, like, opportunities to repent, which is what Jordan talked about. Like, you know how much more free and, and not weighted down you feel when you just get to repent of one more thing? If you start repenting all the time, then, and I'm not talking about feeling guilty. For those of you who weren't here, he highlighted, like, this is, repenting is not a, just something where you feel guilty. Repenting is just where you say, you know what, here's one more thing that I'm going to change. Here's one more thing that I'm going to change. And it's slow. But, you get refined little by little by little, and it's all these small opportunities, and you start viewing them as that. You start viewing them as opportunities. You know, not this horrible thing that makes you feel guilty, but like, oh God, you know what, God? I, I realize now that I really need to get this thing out of my life, and I thank you that I see that now so that I have the opportunity to get rid of it. Right? And so repenting becomes something that you're grateful for. Um, so, Losing these weighty things maybe means that maybe your anger just starts to drop little by little. Maybe you, maybe you have a problem with anger and you consider, you know what, is this a spirit thing? Like, I'm, I'm going to break my agreement with that. And then I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be aware to just like live in the spirit whenever I feel like I want to be angry. And maybe your anger just starts to drop and it starts to get replaced with kindness and gentleness. And you look back over time and you're like, wow, you know what? I forgot that I was such an angry person. Have you ever had things like this in your life where you look back and you're like, I used to be like that, but I don't know how it happened, but I'm not like that anymore. And and now something else is in its place and it's something beautiful and it's something of the Holy Spirit, right? And so 
these little by little things happen. Maybe it means that your brain gets less distracted when you sit down to pray. Right? I mean, sure, your, your, goal, is to, your goal is to pray 10 minutes tomorrow. Okay, well, you may sit down tomorrow and you may pray for those 10 minutes and eight of them might be trying to keep your brain from thinking about what's going on at work or what your cousin said to you that was rude. I have some very rude cousins. Um, Lord, forgive them. Um, I don't actually have rude cousins. Um, but you get what I'm saying. We've all been in the middle of prayer and like, brain, come back. Oh, brain, come back. Oh, God, I'm going to focus on you. Hallelujah. How, oh, I want a cheeseburger. Jesus. Oh, Jesus, Jesus, I don't want to, I'm sorry, Jesus, I don't want to think about cheeseburgers. But the truth is, like, it's a slow process, but the more that you just do your 10 minutes every day, the more that those 10 minutes become less distractions and less distractions, and you get focused on Jesus, and, and he just begins to, like, get your attention and transform the way that you think. And we have to be submitted to this process. Um, these weights just end up dropping out of our life one by one, and you'll realize down the road how many good fruits have ended up in your life that you wanted for so long. But they were, the, their place was taken by other things. Um, to me, on this, on this topic, it's, it's all about endurance. And I, I wrote down the scripture. Um, Revelation 2.26 says, And to the one who overcomes and continues in my work until the end, I will give authority over the nations. That's a, that's a big word. I will give authority over the nations. Anyone in here have authority over the nations? Huh? I mean, maybe in the spirit we're going for it. Yeah, I mean, like I'm all about it, but I don't literally have that in any way that I can think of, right? But, but scripture says to the one who overcomes and continues in my work until the end. Like, this doesn't sound to me like to the one who, like, like explodes and shoots spiritual fireworks everywhere and everyone's impressed, I will give the authority of the nations, right? It doesn't say that. It's, it's this person who's consistent. It's this person who constantly overcomes, constantly overcomes, constantly tries to walk closer to God and a little closer to God and a little closer in the long, slow walk and at the end of it, you've overcome. You've continued in his work until the end. And the, the last thing that I talked about in my training and that Austin and I laughed about for a while was that your heart capacity increases. Can I get a hallelujah? Hallelujah. Um, your heart's capacity increases. Um, so I think that the most interesting thing about it is that the same amount of effort produces drastically increased results. That's what's interesting about it to me. You're putting out the exact same effort as you did a month ago, but the results are drastically increased, right? It's just like this multiplication of what God takes, of what you give him, and then just boom, I'll make it more, I'll make it more. Um, and it's, once again, just this, it's this long, slow thing of, of increased time that maybe you are, um, maybe you're just knowing his heart better. Maybe you're in more of a, like a state of overflow in the spirit throughout your life. But, 
But my experience is that whenever we get locked in in this way and just consistently progressing in him, this is when we start seeing a lot more healing. This is when we start seeing the miracles. Like we talk about this stuff and, and I think a whole lot of us in here have seen a fair amount of it. Um, but we're like, man, I want more of that. Okay, well, just get closer to him. Like just, just walk a little closer tomorrow. You know, because in this process, we start seeing this stuff. We start seeing the things that kind of make us excited. Um, and I have a lot of theories on why this is, but I can tell you firsthand that, you know, the more consistent <coughs> that, I wa- that I've been at different times in my life of like prayer, just like, just taking the opportunities to pray for people, taking opportunities to prophesy over people, then just a higher percentage of people start getting healed. Stuff like that. And you're just like, oh, this is working more. And you can give whatever reason you want to it. I mean, I've debated, um, I've, I've debated Luke 16 on that, where there's the, the parable of, I think it calls it the parable of the shrewd manager. Um, but he says that whoever can be trusted with little will be faithful with much. Right? So God just says, okay, here's what I want you to do tomorrow. I want you to, I want you to encourage one person. Right? And then after you encourage one person, he says, okay, good job. Tomorrow, encourage one person. And then eventually, you may, you may, have, you may find a day where there's 10 people coming up to you needing encouragement because you were faithful with a little and then God just poured, poured more and more into you. Um, but my, my experience says, so some of these, I mean, these things are all scriptural and I'm referencing scriptures, um, but some of it's also just things that I've experienced with the Lord and just things that he's taught me through walking with him. Um, my experience says that our awareness of the spiritual wor- world increases dramatically as we just push practically in, just giving ourselves over to God a little more wholly, a little more significantly. Um, and we start to see things more from a heavenly perspective and see spirit things for what they are and not for earthly things. Um, and it just becomes, it just comes little by little. Our vision just grows little by little as, as our, the, our capacity grows. You see what I'm saying? Like the, the more that you do a little bit, your capacity grows. And then a little bit of effort to recognize things with God's perspective goes a lot farther. And you start just seeing things more how God sees them, thinking of things more how God thinks about them. And our our vision just gets more and more clear. Um, And I really just think that this is, um, you can ask God to, to let you see things more in the spirit. But I think that these things come very, very automatically whenever we're realistic. And we just acknowledge where we are and say, God, I mean, you're not, we're not tricking him. So like, might as well just be like, God, this is where I am. This is what I have right now. Whatever I'm used to doing, whatever I can give you today, I'm going to give you just a little bit more tomorrow, you know? And I think that 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 long, slow walk, it it really does have the automatic fruits if, you, if you'll participate in it and be consistent with it, it has the automatic fruits of us just dropping off some weight, just repenting of some stuff, just becoming more holy, that our vision starts to change. We start seeing things more in the spirit and less just in earthly junk. 
we start seeing things clearly. This stuff just happens automatically as you're with Jesus. It's just a byproduct. So you don't have to focus on all this. You just, just do something, you know? Just do a little bit. So that's really all I want to encourage you with tonight. I'm going to ask you to close your eyes for just a minute. Um, in, in a moment, since Austin and I shared such a beautiful moment together, I asked him to come up and, and uh, lead us in communion. Um, but as you close your eyes right now, I just, I'm going to give you three questions to ask God. And I'm just going to pose them to you and give you a minute to think. And then I'll give you the next one. God, what does it look like for me to be a thin place? What are you perfecting me to look like? We're asking God to give us kind of a, something that we can aim toward. God, what does it look like for me personally to be a thin place? Next, I want you to ask him, where can I reasonably start? Okay, last question. How can I make how can I plan to make small practical increases?
All right, so some of you may need to go pray on those things, and you may not get all the way through it tonight, but I just want us to just take this series seriously. You know, I feel like there was some really, really solid stuff that was said in the series, and I don't want us to just let it go and just go on to another series. It's kind of pointless. But if we can just do something, right? If we can just do something and say, well, that, that pushed me to move, you know? You take one step, you're a lot like, more likely to take another one. Um, so I'm, I'm going to give those questions one more time out loud, just in, so anyone, if you need to write it down or remember them so you can pray on them later. Number one, what does it look like for me to be a thin place? What are you perfecting me to look like? Number two, where can I reasonably start? And number three, how can I plan to make small practical increases? Um, and I just want to share that I feel like that our church is kind of coming into it, just an important time for, for this body. Um, just with kind of the contents of this series and just the ideas that have been presented even at the start of this year, you know, even as, as our staff sat down to, I think some of this really characterizes our church, is what I'm saying. Even as our staff sat down to um, say, you know, what thematically is God characterizing our church as? You know, um, a lot of a lot of churches, and this isn't this isn't a diss in any way. A lot of churches can kind of come up with some big flashy terms of what they're going to do and what they're going to accomplish. And and right now, what we said we feel like Clear Path is about is we said it's about fullness. It's about people living in fullness. Like I think a lot of us, I don't know where all. None of us know where all this is going to end up. Like the idea of clear path and living our lives together and whatever. It's taken some turns, and um, but I'm really grateful for it. And I think that even clear path and even the way that a lot of us have kind of like joined our lives in a way, it, it's a long-term thing, you know? It's like it's this long, slow journey together that we're willing to wrestle through it and and walk with each other and argue with each other and and love each other and support each other and like do this long slow journey together and it may not have as much flash as we want it to at sometimes you know but life doesn't have as much flash as you want it to hardly ever you wake up tomorrow and you go to your job you know and you live your life and you talk to those people and you do it however you do it and hopefully you do it more like Jesus and then you go see your family or you go see your friends and, and you, you get the oil changed on your car. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> it's, life, is, life is kind of plain. You know, it's kind of, it's kind of long and, and slow and we, we slowly progress. But hopefully at the end of our lives, we look back and we say, man, look where Jesus, look where I started and look where Jesus brought me to. You know, and I'm honored to be able to do that with all of you guys and be part of this journey. And uh, so I, I really think this is important, and I hope that everyone will kind of try to t- try to make some sort of practical step this week to just give God an open door, just like, okay, God, let's do it. Let's live more by the Spirit. So come on, Austin. Y'all can go ahead and come get the elements as Austin's getting ready to share. And Yeah. yeah. 
Woo-wee. That was a good word. Ha, ha, ha. I just laughed because I was getting touched during the word. Woo. Okay. On behalf of Jordan, we'll, we'll say one time to everyone, his body broken, his blood poured out for you. Thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> okay. <laughs> we can arrange for that. All right. <laughs> for those of you who don't know me, my name is Austin. I think most of you in here know me. I know most of you guys. I know most... Almost everyone in here for a long time. Some people short time, but um, man, that was a good word. What he was sharing just now, I was really, really, really like not to pump up you up or anything. That was just really touching me. Um, you know, sometimes it's some things that are that are so practical you could almost just miss the spiritual significance that are within them. And uh, I just felt just was like a breath of fresh air. Um, when listening to that tonight. But as I was thinking on communion, I have a funny story that goes along with it this week. So so Zane asked me, I think it was on Wednesday, Tuesday or Wednesday, if I wanted to do communion. My mom had talked to me last Monday night, and she was like, hey, uh, your birthday's coming up on Saturday. I want to take you out to one of my favorite spots to eat in Dallas uh, for breakfast. And I would love uh, for you uh, to just see one of my favorite spots. And my dad... Uh, was asked by the church that he goes to to preach a series on communion uh, this week. And so um, I was like, oh, this is awesome. So me and my dad and my mom go out to breakfast yesterday on my birthday. And we uh, are sitting, I'm talking, my dad's like, well, you know, this is what I'm going to share about communion. I'm talking to him a little bit about what I've been thinking about with communion. And then we realized that we're both at the coffee shop, communion, eating breakfast, talking about communion. (laughs) And so... The Lord is so cool with little things like that. I had no idea I was going to communion in the coffee shop uh, that morning, and I got asked by Zane to do communion. Just all these things line up. I asked my mom. The, another part of this is just I asked my mom. I was like, I was like, I'm going to get a word of knowledge. Where is she going to take me? She told me she wasn't going to tell me. And I was like, so are you going to take me to Breadwinner's Cafe? And she was like, no, no, no. That isn't where I'm going to take you. And I was like, oh, well, maybe, you know, whatever. I'm growing in the prophetic. And then I called Jordan right afterwards to tell him about this communion scenario. Yesterday I called him and I was like, hey, where are you at? And he's like, oh, I'm at Breadwinner's Cafe right now. And I was like, oh, Lord, bless me, God. I was tapping into something. I had no idea what it was, but I was in something. I was in the flow of the Spirit. You know, when you're born again, you're just in the flow and you don't even know. Um, but but when I was, when I've been, the Lord woke me up about two weeks ago. It's so funny Zane asked me because I was, I was like, Lord, I would love to just share on communion. Um, because for a long time, for me, communion was actually a place of condemnation. Uh, communion was a place for me where I just, I didn't, I, I wavered in between like, I grew up in a tradition where we, we interpreted the passage in 1 Corinthians eleven twenty eight, where it says a man needs to examine himself. If not, he's guilty of the body and the blood of Jesus. So communion became this time, this real solemn place of examination of my own sin and my own shortcoming in my life. And so when I came out of that place and someone told me communion was supposed to be a time where you had joy and you had a revelation of the blood 
and the body and the death and the resurrection of Jesus, you know, I would enter into communion and be like, dude, I have no idea. Like, this makes no sense to me. And uh, I lived in a culture in Sri Lanka where communion is a massive deal. Um, and, and all my friends are like, oh, let's do communion every five minutes. They're like, literally, I live with guys that are crazy. And they're like, everything we do, they're like, hey, let's just end it with communion. And I'm like, I'm, I'm like, come on. This is annoying. <laughs> I literally was getting, we'd get frustrated. And I would tell the guys, be like, listen, I, I, know it's, I know it's a lie that because it's an inheritance. Communion is an inheritance for us. It's something we go and we do in remembrance of. It's not something we have to work up or to contrive to create a revelation around something. But I would tell the guys, be like, listen, like, this is so hard for me to do communion because I just don't get it. And it's hard, you know, I'm a minister. This is last year. This isn't like, this isn't like 10 years ago. This is like last, this is a few months ago. And, and so I'm like, I'm like, I just, like, I understand it, but I just am not getting that deep connection level. I'm not getting something out of the communion. And clearly the word is presenting communion in a different light than just a ritualistic thing that we do uh, with, you know, and we just say, you know, uh, body's broken, blood poured out, and just take it and go. But it's something so much more than that uh, that's present. It actually says in, in that press passage in 1 Corinthians 11 that when you, it says that, that some of you are sick among you because you don't rightly discern the body. Um, and so, you know, I, a few weeks ago, the Lord just woke me up with the scripture on my heart, you know, to rightly discern the body or rightly judge the body. Uh, and, and it goes on to talk about what it means. It, it talks a little bit uh, about what it means to rightly judge and discern the body. But he just began to speak to me. I was realizing um, uh, just a little long-winded on communion here, but I, <laughs> I, was, just, I was just realizing how... Um, how much uh, like people around me have changed who I am as a person. Uh, I've been I've been hanging out a lot with Jordan lately, and as you guys know, he's a pretty awesome guy, pretty deep guy, uh, and I love him dearly. And I was realizing, I was talking to him one day, and I was like, I came, I, I interviewed over at VAR, and I came in here just to talk to him real quick. And, uh, and then I realized, like, oh my gosh, every, like the last 10 years of my life, most major decisions that I've made, Jordan has had some sort of influence, whether it be wisdom or something like he was the one who introduced me to Bill Johnson. That's why I went to Bethel. You know, he like just little things that he's introduced me to and encouraged me in that have had massive impacts in my life. And then when I did that, I left a conversation with him uh, like I always do and like thinking really deeply. You know, when you leave a conversation with Jordan, you just think deeply. <laughs> about everything. You're like, you know, you're like using the restroom thinking deeply about how to use the restroom. And so like, I was just leaving the conversation thinking deeply about everyone. Like I was just thinking, I was like, man, the first time I ever lost a massive amount of weight was hanging out with Zane. And he taught me, how, I had, no one had ever taught me how to, how to work out. Well, I did. I had a little bit in school. We did strength conditioning, but you guys know you just goof off. That's just like gym class. You goof off. But Zane was the first person to ever teach me that. And I began to, to think, you know, like, Toby taught me how to throw a baseball, <laughs> but more than just like a, you know, there's been a hundred things that, you know, Kevin taught me how, uh, taught me about baseball, uh, was sitting with the, the DVR controller and have it programmed to the right proper thing and sit down and he'd teach me about baseball. You know, I think about like the little things and the massive things that everyone in the body really has added to my life. Um, and, and I was, I was thinking about rightly discerning the body. And I think it has so much more to do than just rightly discerning the body of Jesus and the blood of Jesus. It's 100% that. Uh, but it's also, it's also discerning the body of believers that you're in uh, and discerning the body, what happens and what you benefit from. You know, it's, it's so interesting. The scriptures and the, pic, uh, the picture that the scriptures give us 
uh, of ourselves as believers is as branches connected to a vine. It doesn't give us a picture as an autonomous being that just all of a sudden happens, but he gives us a picture of someone who's connected into a body. You know, every every representation that we have, it never just associates with associates with us just as we are, but it associates with us as we are connected to the body. And so I think, you know, when we're doing communion today, um, I, I want to encourage you guys to, to take a second and to think about the influences and the people that you really have been brought into your life just by being a part of Christ. Sometimes we can look at our lives and we can say, man, why is nothing happening the way that it is? We don't accurately discern what he's really doing even through the people that are around us and through the blessings that people are, uh, have given to us around us just being a part of the body. And so uh, just today I want, I want you to take a moment while we're taking the communion to just think and think about the, the many things that, that God has put in your life uh, in the form of people in your life that are in the body and then the benefit that comes through that. And that's part of being the thin place is like when you can see everything as moving through the hand of God, then you begin to see it, then heaven really opens up all around you. And so I want to encourage you with that. And I also want to encourage you, if you have pain or you have sickness in your body, that when you take this today, that it's not a, it's not just a cracker, it's not just juice and the thing, but this is the body. Jesus said, this is my body that was broken for you. This is my blood that was poured out for you. So when you take this, this is heaven meeting earth. This is a thin place right here. It is an actualized manifest presence of God that it, when you take it into your body, that it actually changes your cell structure. It actually changes what you do, uh, how your body functions. This is a very, very, very real thing. It's a supernatural thing. So if there's anything going on, if you're experiencing debt right now, if you're experiencing financial lack, if you're experiencing anything that's in the terms of lack, lack was not meant for you. Jesus died. He became poor that we might become rich. He died to crucify those things of the flesh. If you're struggling with sin, if you're struggling with addiction, if you're struggling with something in your life right now, when you take this today, there is a supernatural power that is available to you and a supernatural grace that comes with the communion. So let's just, just take just a moment to think of those things uh, before the Lord and just allow him to show you and open up your heart to receive on a greater level. Yeah, and you can take it whenever you would like to take it, just in, in, in knowledge. But um, just as we're taking it tonight, I felt like somebody's been saying that, you know, they have like a nagging, you, like you said sometime in the last week, you're like, man, I just have this nagging back pain that comes up. And I feel like tonight the Lord is just, just healing that right now. So if that's you, just allow the, the presence, you don't have to do anything. The word's already been provided and you'll be healed. But I just want... Uh, to say that, and, and two people who have been having issues with maybe your teeth as well, I believe the Lord's healing that tonight, so...
That was awesome. Thank you, Austin. Happy birthday, by the way. Happy birthday, Zane. Gosh, I feel like there's a billion January, February birthdays around here. Could speak five minutes on birthdays, but I'm going to speak five minutes on something else. So give me five more minutes of your time. I know we've had a lot of words, really great words spoken tonight, but give me five more minutes. I am going to give you guys a little bit of vision around what we're moving into this week and uh, this weekend and just all the different stuff going on. Um, we're going into a season of spring and around here we're going to be calling that the return. The return. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> Now, the return is going to encompass the months of March, April, and May at Clear Path. And it will be the season of Lent, which is on the church calendar, as well as, so Lent goes from like 40, it's 45 days from Ash Wednesday, which is this Wednesday, to Easter. And then from Easter... To Pentecost is the great 50 days. So we got about 90-something days kind of in this season. Um, and so the return is kind of our umbrella that encompasses all of these things. And so the return is really very much what it sounds like, but it's about us returning to the foundations of our faith. And so that's going to be kind of our main focus over these next months. And so who's, who played a sport growing up, anybody play sport? Because you know that the fundamentals are like the thing that your coach drives into your head all of the time. They're like, if you can't throw the ball in this motion, or if you can't, uh, whatever, dribble and run in this motion, or whatever, if you can't get that down, then you're not going to be successful in your sport. So for us, we've seen, you know, a lot of stuff, pastoring, but one of the things that has really been a big deal for us personally and what we want for people is to come back to the fundamentals and the foundations of their relationship with the Lord and their experience with the Lord. So that's really kind of the big thing that we're, we're talking about over the next few months. So why do we do all of this? That is the answer, why, or that's the question. Why do we do all these things? Why are we doing Lent? Why are we doing Ash Wednesday? Why are we doing all these things that are very traditional things on the church calendar or in Catholic churches or just liturgical things in general? And for us, it's not necessarily about the tradition of things, but it's about the experience of the coming into the story of Christ. And so Ash Wednesday is this coming Wednesday, February 26th. We're having two services at 7 a.m. and 11 a.m. here at the church. We are actually doing the ash cross thing, which Jordan did mention last weekend. Um, and that, you know, some people may not, like, love that. But <laughs> the ash is actually burned palm branches from the year before. So, you know, on Palm Sunday, we celebrate and we worship Christ with the palm branches. And then the next year for Ash Wednesday, we use those um, to put a cross on your forehead. And really that represents this coming into repentance and reflecting on um, just the season and coming into the story of Christ's death and his resurrection. And so that is coming up this week. 
mean all of the Sunday services from March through May are going to be the return series. So Jordan and all of our different speakers will be speaking on these fundamental foundations of the faith. And then we're going to also have weekly prayers that are coming to Facebook during Lent. And then Henry Nowen's Lent devotional is made available to you for $7 if you would like that. So we're trying to incorporate all of these things from Lent to Easter. We have a lot of stuff that's coming up, but I'm just kind of going through these things that are coming up really soon. And then, Chris, you can change the slide. House Church is coming back. That actually starts the very first week of May, or I mean March. And those are both going to be Wednesdays at 7 p.m. You can see our two locations up there. We've got Zane and Tiffany and Kevin and Chandra leading a house church in Millette. <laughs> and then me and Jordan and Ryan and Randy will be leading a uh, house church in Dallas at our house. So we've got a lot of really cool stuff coming up for you guys over this season, and we hope that you will be involved and um, get plugged in. But these are kind of the main things. So you can take your information down up there. All of this stuff is going to be going out in newsletters and on social media, so you'll get like lots of information. But Chris, if you'll go back to the other slide... There you go. That's what you guys can look at for the next 10 minutes before you leave <laughs> and get into your brain. So anyway, I'm going to pray to close this out, and we hope that you will be involved in this season with us. So Father, we love you. We thank you for the long, slow walk that you invite us into. We thank you that uh, walking with you is a journey of just growing deeper, knowing you better, knowing ourselves better. And Father, we just thank you for the transformation and the good that you're doing in our hearts and lives. We thank you, we invite you into this week and ask you to form us and to do what you will. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You are released. <laughs>